told me what the podcast is about. I really want to jump in today. So for everyone listening, my name is Katie and I am not a scientist. My name is Erica and I am a scientist. And, and this, this is Southern, Southern Science. Science. We got it. Oh man, we're getting good at that. I'm here for it. So yeah, so Erica. So Erica just told me that today we're talking about something that is like way outside of the wheelhouse of anything we've talked about before. So kind of want to talk about that, Erica. Yeah, so this one may be different from our usual episodes because while I do have a little bit of familiarity with the general topic, with the major hint being that I've been to space camp twice and Katie and I both have family that grew <laughs> up working camp. in the space program. Yes, we did for NASA. And theoretically in exactly a month, oh God, in exactly a month, I'm going to be working on a NASA funded project. Oh my God. I forgot your Nick. I forgot your postdoc is for NASA. Yeah. It's a combo NASA and NIH. Okay. So in spirit of celebrating your postdoc, we're doing a NASA episode. But I just realized that I have to officially start that job in a month. And now I'm like, All right, ready? Deep breath. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to center ourselves. We're going to breathe in for four, two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. It would probably go better without the really dramatic facial expressions, but if you feel more calm, then I'm here for it. Good job. Sorry. Sorry, mine are like, ah! It's like, ah! (laughs) Well, I mean, but I mean, NASA, right? Like when you hear now, I mean, Okay, all of this is outside of my wheelhouse. So you could have told me today we're talking about slugs and I would have felt the same way about NASA because I learn things every time. And (laughs) if it's not in the realm of like psychology or creative writing, then it is out of my wheelhouse. So, you know, when you hear NASA, even if you know nothing about science, you're like, oh, that's where the big boy scientists go. That's (laughs) where big boy, that's where people grow up and go be adult scientists for NASA. And yeah. then, you know, create stuff like they have in Mass Effect and Star Trek, and but not Star Wars, because Star Wars is fantasy. Star, well, Star Wars was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's your problem. Long, long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far away. All right, I'm sorry. I'm done. Right, go ahead. No. Hope we don't have to, like, trademark that. I only did it for, like, two seconds. That's how we're going to close the episode, is just we're going to be singing The Saga Begins by Weird Al. I'm here for it. Don't you play with my emotions. <laughs> I will do that with you. <laughs> Don't you play with my feelings. Oh, God. Do you okay. hear me like that? All right. So back on NASA. Okay, so we're talking about NASA. Yes. So obviously, we're 16 episodes into the podcast now, and the vast majority of them have been on biological topics, because that's the kind of scientist I am. My master's is in biological sciences. But there's a lot more to Mine science. <laughs> Well, that's okay. That's your tagline. Not a scientist. That's totally fine. <laughs> it is. Yeah, good um, point. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, but there's a lot more to science than just biological science. So I figured with the big news happening in... You right? Yeah, I just smashed my finger. We're good. Oh, okay. I saw the movement and I didn't oh, my computer. know what happened. Yeah. Not a scientist and also not great at like spatial reasoning. Also why I'm not an astronaut. No, I'm not an astronaut because I would puke all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I can spin fast, but no, that's about it. Okay. Um, And and, you keep telling me, and you said this briefly, but all I heard was NASA. I didn't even know there was like an event in the news because that's apparently how far removed I am from the world right now. (laughs) So within the last month, I'll say that because it was February 18th, uh, NASA landed a new rover on Mars. And 
it was very cool. The landing. What happened to our old rover? It got shut down finally. Like it, it completed its mission. (gasps) I remember that they killed it. Well, I mean, oh, I remember it wasn't that. murder. It was so sad. People were yes, making was... memes everywhere. It was so terrible. Oh, yes. no. It was very sad. Also, they just replaced it. I wonder if this little robot knows we're just going to let it die, too. All right, go ahead. Well, okay. So, I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about. And I'm not going to give like a ton of details on the engineering side of things. But as far as space science goes and what the new rover is looking for and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to give a brief overview of what Perseverance's mission is on Mars. So Sounds great. <laughs> so as far as... What is a Mars rover? Can I ask that question? Like, I, I know it's a machine. So it is, yeah, it is a machine. Kind of looks like a big battle bot. You ever watch battle bots? Yes. So he kind of looks uh, like okay, a battle bot. Big battle bot, got it. But, but instead of having like a flipper or a wedge or a spinny chainsaw blade... It has seven scientific instruments and... I'm pulling up a picture. Let me see. Yeah. No, he's really cute. Whoa. So yeah, so it's got like six wheels. It's got seven scientific instruments. It's got some scoopers for collecting soil samples and rocks. Uh, more rocks and rock debris, I think, than specifically soil samples. So yeah, what's different about what Perseverance is doing instead of what Curiosity did, which was the last one, was that Curiosity didn't intend to collect the rocks. It would look at them and analyze them and send that data back to Earth, but it wasn't keeping anything. Now, Perseverance is actually going to be taking samples of rock from all around this crater that it's investigating and at the end of its mission assuming everything goes right it's actually going to drive out of the crater that it's investigating now uh, eventually travel like 15 kilometers which is pretty far given the fact that it's kind of slow i mean it's fast for a rover but it's not Mm -hmm. fast for like a human yes it's not Uh, yeah (laughs) it goes like 0.1 miles per hour but that's fine it's doing the best it can. And it, it's actually going to take all the samples that it's been collecting and like drop them at a place where future Mars missions are going to collect those pre-gathered samples and then bring them back to Earth is the intention. Whoa. So it doesn't have a plan for leaving Mars itself, but the plan is that in future missions, it will, will be able to take the things that it gathers and then bring them home for more further study. So what I just keep looking at pictures and I'm watching it like go across the screen. That's so cool. It is really cool. So a lot of what the facts that I'll be talking about are from NASA's website about the mission, which is just mars.nasa.gov. And they've got some really cool, like interactive schematics of the rover, like little, like a 3D model that you can zoom in and click on different parts of it and see what it's different tools and uh, parts oh. are. I'm totally, I mean, I am paying attention to you. I am also officially like stalking this thing. Why doesn't have, this thing needs an Instagram account. It might have one. I bet it does. I bet somebody set up an Instagram account for this thing. I mean, probably. Perseverance, postcards from Mars. It's sending us postcards. Oh, I love this. All right, continue. Tell me about the science. (laughs) Wikipedia says that its nickname is Percy, but I didn't see that on Mars, on uh, NASA's website anywhere. But you can call it Percy if you want. <laughs> Percy, I'm here for you, Percy. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay, so this is cute. I'm loving what we're doing today. There's no like creepy bugs or, you know, no, falling asleep the... for like six months and hoping you wake back up because your heart stopped. And Well, I mean, once humans try to go to Mars, then they might want to do that. But I think it's only going to be like three months of a journey. So it'd be totally fine. Oh, totally fine. Absolutely. 
But yeah, I mean, in, in asking what perseverance looks like, he it's actually like 10 feet long. So it's kind of bigger than it looks in the pictures. And it's seven feet tall-ish. So it's, it's cameras that are wow. looking around and taking pictures. They're supposed to be from human height. And so that's why it's got a little telescoping neck for its camera. And so basically the pictures are, would be like what you would see if you were there. Because, yeah, I don't know, they just didn't want the perspective of looking from the ground, I guess. I don't know. Sweet. Hey, I think that's cool, though. I like it. So its mission is meant to be about one Mars year, which is a little shorter than two Earth years. And like I said, its goal is to go around a crater and to collect soil samples or rock samples. And I did want to say the the way it's supposed to power itself while it's there is it has a uh, radioisotope thermoelectric generator, which basically it's just taking radiation from decaying plutonium and taking that, using that energy that's given off by the plutonium to power itself, which I thought was really cool. Like that's science. So That sounds like the start of every like superhero movie ever. I feel like plutonium is one of those things that's like bad. Like you're, you hear like uranium and plutonium and you're like, don't mess with those things. That has never ended well in Marvel or DC universe. Not yeah. ever. So the area of Mars that Perseverance is exploring is different than the places that the other rovers have been, which by the way, Perseverance is the fifth rover from NASA. The first one was Sojourner, which was actually back in 97. I was longer ago than I thought. And then they dropped off two yeah, at a time. 25 years ago. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I don't. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> just no. Do not like that. Uh, <laughs> it was like 20 years ago. It's like, you mean 1980? No. Nope. No. Nope. Not anyway. here for it. <laughs> Not here for it. <laughs> Anyway, after that, uh, there was two rovers that went together, Spirit and Opportunity, and then Curiosity was in 2012, and it very recently finished its mission, and now Perseverance has just landed. I like the names they pick. I mean, is this stuff people vote on? Actually, for Perseverance, yes. There was a nationwide contest for naming this current rover, and Perseverance won. I don't remember if the others were done the same way. But this one, I think, was uh, submitted by a schoolgirl, I think. Remember what nice, she was I in. love it. Okay. But anyway, so it's exploring a region that's called Jezero Crater. So that's J-E-Z-E-R-O, Jezero Crater. And the reason that they are exploring this particular region is that the geography around Jezero Crater looks like the the topography would be very familiar to Katie because it is very clearly a river delta. It is. There's... <laughs> a very clear river bed leading down into this crater. And then just the way that the ground feeds out in a stereotypical triangle from the riverbed makes it very obvious that this was once a a Delta. And so the reason they want to explore this particular Delta is because they have satellites in orbit around Mars that are doing spectrometry analysis What they're doing basically is they're just watching how the sunlight reflects off of the surface of Mars. And by analyzing the wavelengths that bounce off whenever different angles of sunlight hit the different minerals, they can kind of tell what minerals are present. So they use that as their analysis. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty sure that in this river delta in Jezero Crater, there are clay and carbonate compounds. And those are both carbon-based compounds that have the 
potential to have been generated by life forms. Clay is often present where life has been, and also carbonate compounds have been. Now, not always, because I didn't want to say both coral and limestone are calcium carbonate. So you can have carbonate build up naturally, non-biologically, through, say, water flowing through calcium-rich rock, like that's limestone. Or you can have calcium carbonate, say, secreted by an organism like coral for use as an exoskeleton. So they want to examine it further to try and figure out which one, if it is indeed carbonate, what is its likely source. Okay. They're pretty sure that they would be able to analyze this area because they're assuming by other analysis of the rock and like, I don't know if they're looking at just like wear and tear on the rock or how exactly they're making this determination, but they think that that river delta was formed about 3.5 billion years ago. Okay. And they were saying that Mars and Earth's development was kind of on par around that time as far as just the oxygen levels, the amount of water in the atmosphere, because I mean, in order to have water in your atmosphere at all, you have to start with having volcanic activity and the volcanoes to release clouds into the air and eventually make rain, all that kind of stuff. So you have to have like the seismic activity early in a planet's development in order to start building an atmosphere before you can have any kind of water. Okay. I'm Googling this as you're talking to me so I can see what it looks okay, like. Yeah, okay, yeah, if you need me to pause while you Google anything in particular. No, no, no this is great. Okay. No, keep going. This is very interesting. Now, Earth at this time, this is pre-Gondwana land, pre-Pangea, pre-all that stuff. This is pre-Kennerland. This is at a time when the alleged supercontinent that people have proposed was just called Ur. You are. <laughs> Okay. So that was like theoretically the supercontinent that existed on Earth, you know, 3.1 billion years ago. And so, like I said, you think Pangea is old. It's like half a billion years old at best. You know, there were so many times continents have drifted apart and come back together and just the land masses are always changing. I saw a really cool time lapse of tectonic plate movement that was like a computer simulation at, I would recommend that. That was a really cool time-lapse I saw. Anyway, beside the point, talking recommend. about Mars. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but the point is that there are similarly old rocks that people say that in the Mississippi River Delta, you can find evidence of microbial life form from that long ago. So they're hoping that similarly on Mars, you'd be able to find evidence of microbial life. If it was there, then in this Delta region, you might still be able to find evidence of that. Now, the reason that, you know, this mission and so many others are so focused on finding water is because water is thought to be essential for life. And not just because like we as humans need to drink water or anything, but like on a chemical level, water is an incredibly multi-purpose diverse molecule. The fact that it is small, it is polar, and it is a really good solvent and that it can surround other solutes and surround them either in a hydrophobic or hydrophilic fashion where you how the water molecules orient their their positive and negative sides you know it's it's such a chemically god i can't think of the word that just means like all purpose good at everything kind of that it's i mean it's a really versatile Hell yeah. Versatile. versatile. There you go. I can't help you. I'm going with jack of all trades, but like versatile is not what was coming to my mind. Okay, cool stuff. It's a very versatile molecule that is thought to be necessary as a solvent for the chemical reactions that would lead to life. 
Makes sense. Water's important. I mean, we talk a lot about the chemical reactions that are needed to sustain life, but on a very basic level, all of those really need to happen in an aqueous solution. That's why humans are ugly bags of mostly water. (laughs) We're just bags of water. That's one of my- I'm basically a water balloon. That's one of my favorite Star Trek quotes. They encounter this crystalline entity and one of the, once it develops the ability to communicate with the Enterprise, that's the first thing it does is call humans and ugly bags of mostly water, which I mean, to be fair, they're not wrong. I love it. Oh yeah. So I don't know what stage your Googling is in, Yes, but on NASA's website, there are both simulations and overhead shots of the Jezero crater. So you can kind of like explore it. And then also um, there's videos from when Perseverance actually landed that are pretty cool. Yeah, this is awesome. Okay. And it has not only the ability to take video, but it also has microphones on it so we can hear what Mars sounds like. And so they've actually uploaded a couple clips of what Mars sounds like. It's very quiet. But that is an important thing. So a few things that Perseverance is going to be testing out involve... Okay, so I would just like to point out that while I appreciate most things about technology, like, for example, I can still perform my, you know, duties as an employee because of technology. I do not like the fact (laughs) that Zencaster has a problem with Erica and my love, and it's trying to keep us apart. Uh, You guys will be treated to a version of me singing all by myself for like five minutes straight while we try to figure out why Eric and I got disconnected. <laughs> I was very sad about yeah, it. That was fun. It's like, I was like, Erica, come back. And apparently she could hear me. I could see Katie being sad and she couldn't hear me at all. It was like I was a ghost. It was very sad. It was really bad. I was like, oh man, what happened? I was like, we were talking about the Mars rover and NASA heard us and they like beamed Erica away. <laughs> <laughs> shut it like, down you know too much <laughs> shut it down that's what's happening i i listen to way too many supernatural podcasts i'm like they're listening they <laughs> are listening i mean who do the men in black work for no one knows i know men in black definitely work for nasa 100 percent. i've seen yeah. that movie or at least contract i know how this works you know. like because hollywood's 100 yep. percent factual so the last thing i remember before my entire yes. world crumbled was that we were talking about how like water is like the baseline thing you look for, for like life, right? Like water is like the solve all. Everyone needs water. We're basically just giant bags of water. We're water balloons walking around at any given time. Yes. Cucumbers with anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That I'm getting that on a shirt. I love that. (laughs) I actually have a cucumber in my fridge. I should have gotten one to like chew on while we're doing this. That would have been like a great opportunity to like wave. Do you not like cucumbers? I hate cucumbers. How have we never discussed this? We're going to have to rethink our whole friendship. I don't know. You should know. I hate like foods with high water content. I hate tomatoes. I hate cucumbers. I hate all melons. Sounds like you just hate. You don't like watermelon? Nope. I'm a terrible southerner. I hate watermelon. Who hurt you? I just have one question. (laughs) Who hurt you? Because watermelon is like God's fruit. And I'm actually walking to my kitchen right now to get a cucumber and you can watch me eat it. No, uh, usually Katie makes the sound. uh. Yeah, but I make the sound for reasonable reasons. Like, you know, anything other than not eating a cucumber. Look how good this is. Mm. No. I'm going to get a second cucumber, too. All right, so we're basically cucumbers with anxiety. 
you know, we had trouble hearing each other, but we would have trouble hearing each other on Mars too, because (laughs) sound is mechanical waves, not, you know, electromagnetic waves. And so we can only hear sound because it produces physical vibrations in air molecules that traverse through the air and then vibrate against, you know, our tympanic membrane. And uh, yes, Katie. Oh, I just figured out I can actually raise my hand. Um, I love how you think I know what that means when you're talking about mechanical waves versus electromagnetic waves. Let's dumb it down a little bit more. Or dumb it down is a bad way to say it. Let's back it up a little bit more. No, no, I actually didn't know that about sound. So you know the trope in space, no one can hear you scream? I thought that that was just a tagline for really scary movies. Okay, but it's a tagline for a reason, which is sound cannot carry in space. So we, we've talked before about electromagnetic waves, including visible light, but yes. you know, ultraviolet and infrared on either side. So that is both a wave and a particle. So we're definitely not getting into the physics of what is light because Please it, has properties, it has properties of both a wave and a particle. Part of its particle properties is that it can be propagated through literally empty space, not empty space like what we think is empty space, but is actually full of air, but through the mm-hmm. vacuum of space. Okay. That's how like sunlight can get all the way from the sun, a full astronomical unit away and get all the way to earth, even though there's literally zero things in between us, no molecules of anything. That's just a really strange concept. I have a very difficult time wrapping my head around a lot of things when it comes to space, like the idea that there's nothingness. Yeah. The concept of nothingness is like um, almost a little like unsettling. Oh yeah, no, I've had I've had lots of existential crises about this as a child, 100%. Of course you have. You can see Erica at 4 years old being like there's nothing out there. Oh yeah, no, the con- everything from the big bang to the big crunch and the emptiness in between. I had I would be trust me. As a neurotic child, I had lots of existential breakdowns. Um anyway, take care Fair of your enough. mental health, guys. It's important. Don't have existential crises about, you know, there being nothingness. Go see a therapist. The therapists are like, I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. Anyway, so (laughs) electromagnetic waves, EM waves, both a particle and a wave, they can travel through emptiness, vacuum. Mm -hmm. Sound is a mechanical wave. So sound is physically like me speaking is the vibrations of my vocal cords as air rushes past them, being able to make sounds that then are pushed through the air molecules in the empty, in the space in front of my mouth. So at the moment that's going into the microphone and then there's like more conversions to electrical signals, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just talking about like, if we were here in person, my mouth is making vibrations in the air and those vibrations hit your ear. And in your ear, there's a membrane called the tympanic membrane. And there's lots of little follicles, little hairs. I really like how your ear is set up, actually. And I will get into details about it later because I want to say way more things than this will make sense to say in this episode. (laughs) And we're derailing. (laughs) (laughs) It makes your, your inner ear, your eardrum, all that vibrate. And there's little hairs inside your ear that are all attached to neurons. And as the sound waves vibrate those little hairs, it triggers, it mechanically triggers the neurons that those are attached to, and it goes to your brain and you interpret that as sound. So it's actual vibrations that you're hearing, these vibrations in the air. It's like when you go to a concert and the sound is so loud, you feel it in your chest. Yeah. That's just a really exaggerated version of what your eardrums are feeling all the time. 
Okay, so I would like to bookmark and say that we've got to do a podcast on sound because all this is just okay. actually super interesting and blowing my mind. Okay, but the idea is that you can't hear in space. We could not hear yes. on Mars because there's no air for our stuff to bounce off. So you could hear a little. Mars has an atmosphere. It's just really thin. So it's about 1% the density of Earth's atmosphere. So we'd be dead anyway. Well, it's mostly carbon dioxide, yeah. So it's not just the low pressure wouldn't from not well having much of an atmosphere. But yeah, we also wouldn't be able to breathe. But yeah, wouldn't go well for us. Okay. No, no, no. It, that's but that's why perseverance is there. So several of the projects that it has going on are to kind of test things about that. So what I was starting to say was that we would sound different if we were recording this on Mars because it's a very thin atmosphere. Means that there <laughs> are. There's fewer air molecules for the physical sound wave vibrations to push against. And so sounds would yeah. be very quiet and it would especially impact higher pitched sounds, which have a higher frequency, shorter wavelength. So those would not be transmitted as well through the atmosphere. And so sounds would be very different on Mars. And actually NASA has a little app set up on their website where you can record yourself and it'll alter your voice to make it sound like you're on Mars. Okay. So I know what I'm doing. The second I get off, the second we get off this call, that's what's happening. I'm going to go see what Katie on Mars sounds like. If the app lets you record more than 10 seconds at a time, then that's definitely how we would have done our intro today, but it only lets you record 10 seconds at a time. So <laughs> <laughs> That would have been amazing. But anyway, so in keeping with the, the thin atmosphere, so several of the things that the Perseverance rover is looking at, not just, you know, its daily mission of looking at the rocks, it spectrally examines the rocks to try and see what it is based on, you know, the light refracting off of it. It's got some really high quality cameras to be able to look at the texture of the rocks and just help scientists identify what they think it might be. But we'll come back to that in a second. What some of the other things that Perseverance is testing have to do with the atmosphere. So it has a tool on it that it's trying to take the carbon dioxide from the Martian atmosphere and produce oxygen. So it has a, a, a piece of equipment on it called MOXIE, which stands for the Mars Oxygen ISRU Experiment. Because if they could do that, that would be a huge leap forward. Yes. I know that from video games. <laughs> Every time you want to terraform something, that's that's yep. step one. That's important. Normally you would do that by like planting trees and stuff, you know. Ah. That's the nicest way to convert CO2 into oxygen. You can do what you can. <laughs> and also it has, let me look up the, where'd the name of it go? It has a helicopter. Ingenuity. Ingenuity. Okay, because I was Googling too. Sounds good. <laughs> So it has a helicopter in it, Perseverance does, and it will, once it's kind of established, it's going to start letting Ingenuity go on tiny little test flights. And I say tiny because of what, you know, what drones on Earth can do, but honestly, in the history of flight, it's pretty impressive. So it's going to be the first, you know, thing to take off from the surface of Mars and fly around and then come back. And it's supposed to be fairly autonomous and be able to fly and then get itself back to Perseverance. And it's going to do about... Up to 90 seconds, you know, 30 second flights up to maybe 90 second flights, which is pretty impressive when you think that the Wright brothers first flight was only 12 seconds. So already doing pretty good. True story. Yeah. The, the point of that is to kind of study how much effort, how much work does it take to be able to fly in a very thin atmosphere like Mars's. So it's kind of like flying at very, very high altitudes on earth, I assume, 
but like passenger planes can't fly that high because they don't have the air density to have the lift, you know? And so the question for the helicopter, this ingenuity is going to be like, how well does it handle trying to get lift and fly around? It'll like go a ways out and then come back in. How can it do that in the really thin atmosphere? Okay. That's cool, man. They've got all these like little, I can't imagine being a scientist designing this thing. Like I have all these questions, but I can only put it into seven little parts. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. They, they've got their list. They got their list of questions that they've been working on for 10 years and be like, how can we, te- how many of these can we test at one time? Because they that's fascinating. Oh, don't man. get that many shots. <laughs> you know, That's awesome. That's so cool, though. Okay. The other things that Perseverance has on it, what it's called, it's mast cam, which is its, you know, normal high res camera. That's like I said, it's supposed to be at human height. So it's like actually being there, you know, it's not like you're on a little rover looking at ground level, but that's what they're supposed to be using to like kind of examine the minerals and try to help visually identify things, not just spectrally identify things. So it's got a quote, Mars environmental dynamics analyzer or meta. Um, and that's to try and analyze the atmosphere. And so things that we would have to be, take into consideration for any future like construction projects on Mars or whatever. I mentioned the MOXIE. The MOXIE. <laughs> that's what's trying to see if it can convert carbon dioxide to oxygen. <laughs> oxygen, yes. Which would be very important. Has a what they call PIXEL, which is the Planetary Instrument for X-ray Lithochemistry, which is an X-ray fluorescent spectrometer with a camera to try and identify the compositions of the, of the minerals. Uh, has a radar imager for subsurface imaging. I don't know how close that is to like sonar, but that's what it sounds like to me. Is it ground <laughs> penetrating radar? And I don't know what the difference between ground penetrating radar and sonar is. And then this one, they, they tried real hard. Oh, and then they have a super cam. But the one, the one I wanted to end with in its list of instruments was the scanning habitable environments with Raman and luminescence for organics and chemicals or Sherlock. Yes! <laughs> I was trying to count it off as you were saying it. I couldn't do it. I love that. So it's a, basically that's the spectrometer they're going to be using to analyze the minerals and try to be able to see like, you know, if it reflects back certain wavelengths, what does that likely mean its composition is? Okay. That's amazing. And I officially want to be in charge of naming things. Like I could come up with some anagrams, man. I got it. Yeah. NASA's like... They're going to make you an acronym. Acronyms, not anagrams. I'm an English teacher. Oh my gosh. Anyway, keep going. I'm assuming that all of these are acronyms and not initialisms because NASA is an acronym and not an initialism. So that's how I'm treating them. What's funny though, is that the Sherlock actually has a complimentary piece of equipment called... The Watson. Please tell me it's the Watson. It's the Watson. Oh my God. I love that so much. I'm so happy right now. This made my night, just so you know. I know, this is it's the just... best. And yes, we are filming at night. That never happens. But, you know, life happens and we're, it's way past our bedtimes. But yes, okay, that literally made my night. No, you can't tell me yes. anything happier. We're calling the podcast right now. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> so the, basically like the Sherlock is like a black and white camera and the Watson is the color camera. So they work together like rods and cones to get you a full Mm. picture for the analysis. So love it. Oh my God. So cool. Engineers are the ones who will work real hard to get you an acronym that spells something that they like. (laughs) That's amazing. That makes me so happy. I want that job. (laughs) 
It's like the, um, what is it? The strategic homeland. What is S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's like yeah, when Agent Coulson shield? introduces S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's like, what does that mean? He's like, it means someone really wanted our initials to say S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> it's the truth, though. Yeah. Uh, that's what we'll get emails about is what S.H.I.E.L.D. stands for, because I forget. What does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for? <laughs> Find out next week on Southern <laughs> Science. I forget. That's fine. The other things like the spectrometer that's like from the orbiter is just called CRISM. It's for the compact reconnaissance imaging spectrometer for Mars. Eh. Well, you might as well stop trying with your stuff after you came up with Sherlock and Watson, you know? Right, right. You're done. Might as well stop trying with your cool names. Yeah, you're done. (laughs) But okay, so we got PRISM. And what does PRISM do? I'm assuming something with light. Um, It's actually CRISM with a C. Um, CRISM. Okay. Yeah. It stands for Compact compact Reconnaissance Imaging Spectrometer for Mars. Oh, okay. I wanted it to be kind of like PRISM, but... Maybe that was taken. I don't know. <laughs> NASA was like, this is already been trademarked. We can't use it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All of these instruments have like really nice pages on NASA's website, on the JHU APLs, like the laboratory that built CRISM, like they've got a page for it. So any of these that you want to learn about more in detail, awesome. NASA has amazing resources they have some that are like this is the level of explanations for kids and adults who aren't engineers and then it has like the four scientists and engineers sections uh yeah i should be able to do that yeah yeah let's link that on our social media because guys i've been checking out the website on and off as erica like points things out and it's really different to actually be able to look at it i highly recommend pulling up a picture of percy while erica's going through this explanation because while she's doing a wonderful job explaining it, if you are like me and have no science or engineering background whatsoever, this is Greek. So <laughs> having a picture of like what these things look like and being able to click through the website while she's explaining is actually super helpful. But yeah, otherwise just think of a, a big battle bot with a scooper on the front. With Wally's face. Yes. The little little yeah, Wally's it's, face. It's yeah, basically a Wally. It's adorable. So I was going to kind of wrap up, since we're kind of describing what is the purpose of Perseverance's missions, like to wrap up, what are the things that it hopes to accomplish? Like what are the objectives leading towards the goals of the mission? Aliens. Basically, the goal is to make us the aliens. <laughs> oh, got you. Know, you. <laughs> to figure out what what would it take for us to be the aliens on Mars. So of course, its first objective is geology study the rocks, try and figure out what's there. But that leads into astrobiology. So astrobiology is, you know, obviously looking for life among the stars, but looking for ancient life. And so it's doing that by looking mm-hmm. in the cl- looking for specifically clay and carbonate in the river delta, presuming it's a river delta. Maybe I shouldn't call it a river delta, but that is the assumption based on the yeah. very obvious topography. So the hope is that You know, I don't think I actually ever said the reason that this was a delta to begin with is that Jezero Crater was actually a crater where some foreign object slammed into Mars a long time ago, made a low spot. And so that's why that's where the river led to. I don't know if that matters. Got you. Okay. But it was a low spot first and then it got transformed, you know, through the flowing of what appears to be a river into a delta. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, like I said, they're going to be examining that crater, that delta, for 
signs of life, signs of microbial life. And then its next objective would be the sample caching, which means not just examining the samples the way that Curiosity did, the last rover, but physically collecting some. I think it it can collect 38 samples as 38 empty tubes on its person. So it's going to collect those from all around the crater and then eventually drop them off at a predetermined drop point so that future missions would be able to collect it. And the drop point is outside of the crater. And then the next objective is like gather information that could prepare for humans to come. So kind of looking at the weather, atmospheric dust size, things like that, wind, temperatures, all that jazz. And then also in its construction, they're like testing like how well do these materials weather? How well do they withstand the temperatures, the wind, the atmospheric pressure, all that jazz. So it's just data gathering there too. And these are all in support of NASA's Mars goals, you know, which is did life ever exist, characterize the climate, characterize the geology and prepare for human exploration. So those are like Mars's stated, I mean, sorry, those are Mars's goals. Those are NASA's stated goals. Those are Mars goals. We're secretly doing the Mars goals. Yes. The aliens. (laughs) We're like basically stepping into our backyard. It's like young adventuring kids. We're like, we have found the sandbox. Good job, guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is as far hey, as I'm we cool got. With it. Let's get into our sandbox. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Let's get into our sandbox. I think that actually sounds super interesting. Into the sandbox. The red planet. I'm here for it. Hey, that's how Mass Effect started, man. We got to Mars, found all this cool stuff, went from there. Best video game ever. <laughs> Very neat. Okay, well, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm pretty here for this. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of like little NASA stuff, especially because it's like, you're about to work for them. Yeah. Maybe one day you'll get to put something on a Mars rover. Well, my specific project is in service of the Artemis missions. So it's more for studying long-term space radiation exposure. So basically being on the ISS for a long time and then using that as a stopping point for being on the moon for a long time. So because the Artemis missions are about going to the moon. Science is just so cool. Like it lends it like this is basically an episode of Dexter and I'm BD. I mean, look, your enthusiasm is the whole point this podcast works. So like, (laughs) no, that is your science is the whole point this podcast works. I'm very enthusiastic about your science, which helps. But otherwise, it'd just be me being like, guys, have you been on Instagram lately? Have you seen Clay Thompson's latest post? He posted something about a boat. He's so hot. That would 100% be my podcast. Uh, fangirling over clay thompson and telling people to google specific dogs that i follow on instagram that's fun too honestly all right continue so Uh, nasa say something nice about nasa then we can go on yeah maybe that's my problem maybe i need to stop talking about the government that's exactly what's happening they keep hearing you and they're like we're we're gonna punish you accordingly we're gonna mess up your podcast just you wait so yeah so this interesting i do appreciate this today this is a fun thing to do yeah and I've, i was kind of worried i was like i don't have a lot to say like from personal experience but i've read all the nasa pages about it and it seems really cool and i just wanted to talk about it because it's like the last big cool stem thing that happened that a lot of people cared about even if they weren't scientists so right you know like that's neat like i think we're all like we all kind of have that childish fascination with space you know, the unknown, all that fun yeah. stuff. So, I mean, yeah, so this was really interesting. And I wouldn't mind like a follow-up on this in like a year or so just to kind of see like what we've learned. Yeah, yeah, I'll follow up if it finds anything cool too. Oh, I think I was going to say that once it's done, once it's done with its like year mission of trolling around that crater, 
it actually plans to start hoofing it outside. It's going to like go, get to the drop site and then drop its soil samples. And then if mm-hmm. it's still working, it's actually planning on heading to another crater, which is like supposed to be an impact site from another space object so that the rock that's exposed is like from really down low in Mars's mantle. And so it's just supposed to be like a... Mm-hmm. It would provide more information about the construction of Mars and like its layers, but maybe That's not cool. be as relevant to like the colonization future of humans on Mars kind of story. So it's it's only going to do that after it's finished with its current mission. And if it's still got like battery life and hasn't gotten all gunked up with Mars dust or Beat anything. Up. So uh It'll give that a shot. So it does have a secondary mission for once it's done. This That's is the uh, this is the example of the scientist who was like number eight on the list. Yeah, his stuff's just kind of riding, you know, along for the ride. Maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't. We'll get to your stuff if She's we have like, time. I don't know, man. Like- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, Eric, I really appreciate this one today. Yay! This one's been fun, man. No, it's always cool to talk about space. So I mean, like before we head out, like I'm now I'm sitting here and I'm kind of have like an existential crisis, like. The world's so big. There's so much stuff. There's a world beyond coronavirus, which is great. Maybe not a world, but there's a universe beyond coronavirus. (laughs) Like on the spirit of that, like, okay, so do you have a mental health minute this week? You know, I thought about what I thought that might be. And I honestly couldn't think of any good advice to give anyone. What about just a feeling? What's like a self-care thing you've done this week? Take a shower. Hey, why is that important for you? I don't know. There's just something about like, I really like being warm and the shower lets you be warm. And then after I feel like I've just been sitting around doing homework and staring at my computer, just being able to like wash my face and wash my hair and have my hair be like non-greasy and my face be non-greasy. Like that just makes me feel a lot better about myself. Yeah. Like I said, Mm. my version of relaxing is to just like lay down in the tub and like like I said, stick my feet up into the water and just be warm, you know? I mean, I feel like there's something about that, like the idea of like powering down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like being vulnerable, even if it's with yourself, it's you know, like in the shower. And like, yeah. yeah, being comfortable, right? Like, I love that. And that's something you can like have control over too, which I think is really important because that's kind of my mental health minute for this week, because I've had a lot of like family issues happen this week and um, some personal issues. And, you know, one of the things is like when people know that you're training and counseling, they come to you. And a lot of times like they're seeking advice, which is not the purpose of being a therapist. We don't give advice. Yeah. Yes. You know, or just um, a lot of times it's coping skills. Mm. So my big mental health minute this week is to really focus on um, understanding what you can control Versus what you can't control, the things that you can't control to move towards allowing those things to go. Yeah. Because, you know, you can, um, you can make space for things in your life that you can't control, especially if it's for other people and you can be a support system and you can care and things like that. But being able to release that like burden we place upon ourselves, especially in this society where we need to fix everything and make things better. Um, is actually really freeing and can like be really helpful um, and can definitely like find a place like in yourself for like self-care because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like I even heard you say just now, I can't think of any advice to give. And it's yeah. like, well, that's things for other people. What's something you can do for yourself, right? What's something you can control about yourself? Like, I love that, you know, you wanted to take a shower before the podcast and like, get fresh and ready and get comfortable. That's important. Yeah. And like, I'm telling you, 
this. My hair mm -hmm. is in a mask, I'm telling you right now. It's all like getting ready. I'm about to throw a face mask on and have a little bit of a spa with my kombucha before I head in for the night. Nice. You know, so like really focusing on it because I can control that, right? I can control mm -hmm. like taking care of myself. I can control like how I, you know, feel about myself once I'm done with the shower. I know those things make me happy. Um, so really just kind of focusing in on what you can control versus what you can't control. That's kind of my mental health for this week. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very yeah. important. Yeah. You can't control what happened, yeah. but you can control your response to it, you know? You can. <laughs> you can control your response to it. And you can also choose whether or not you want to engage it, you know, depending yeah. on like where you are in your mental health journey. You know, that's, um, I'm fairly far along compared to like where I was five years ago. And that's one of my big things, realizing that I can step away from situations and be like, this is not for me right now. Yeah. You know what is for me? Fresh bottle of kombucha. That's for me right now. <laughs> that's what's happening. Going to give me some multi-green kombucha happening. Going to Trader Joe's, making some hummus, you know. Nice. Those are things that I can focus on. I so, yeah, um, it's been great to kind of do something a little off the beaten path for us, even though we've had crazy technology issues, which honestly are fun. I, I am going to forward Erica the copies of me singing, so hopefully she can upload them somewhere because I'm very proud of my singing voice. L listen after our outro. You may or may not hear Katie singing. Hey, it'll be great. You'll be so impressed. So if you want to get in contact with us, hit us up on our Gmail, which is southernsciencechicks at gmail.com or... We're on Facebook and Instagram at Southern Science Chicks on both of those platforms. Yes. And I've already decided as soon as I moved to Shreveport, we're making a TikTok exclusively for science things. So we're going to get with the cool new kids. All right. <laughs> you know, by the time we do that, TikTok's not even going to be a thing anymore. Like the way that technology. And I don't even care. Don't care. I don't even care. I think TikTok's fun. It goes to songs. I learn the dances. All right. Well, it's been great talking to everybody, and uh, y'all have a nice night. Right. Bye. Bye. Do you ever tell the friends we knew that you? Don't wanna be all by